Monday Trending Chat with Smash Africa On Live at Night now, we are unpacking the educator's argument uh, and, and you are listening to the radio and it's like, what do you mean, Smash? The educator's argument? Well, the educator's argument tends to turn up every time there's an incident of discrimination, be it racism or sexism or any other ism. Now, this argument calls on those who are offended by such acts to teach the offender. Can you believe it? <laughs> what a joke. And everyone else on why what's being done or being said is offensive it's it's so unfortunate that we live in those times right but at the same time we cannot ignore the fact that ignorance is bliss tonight to unpack this argument i am joined by award-winning tv director and dj as well as a friend of the show, Zamon Bele, clinical psychologist, as well as a board member of the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you for your time. Olu, welcome to uh, Live at Night and 5FM for the first time. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, now let me start with you. Um, why do you think this argument tends to come up in these situations? The argument of educators. I say, how's it, Tina? I think it's always a cop out. It's, it's something that people that that's when they 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 don't have any other reason to say anything. So rather say educators because you know you can say something as not Christian or you can say something as un-African. And then you can you we could always find something to counter that and and say why are you are you not doing a particular thing like why do you want to uphold this rule but you got married you got you had sex before marriage and then they mm. say an educator so it's always in retaliation and it's also just a cop out like I want you I, I want you to take me there when I have the access to the information. Mm, mm, mm. Now, Zamo, as a clinical psychologist, I guess I'm going to ask you the behavior question. Now, issues such as racism, homophobia have been highlighted, highlighted for years. And can ignorance really be accepted as an argument for one's offensive behavior? Well, definitely, um, you, you bring up the evolution of where a lot of our isms are. It is very certainly no longer the fact that a lot of people want to kill black people, whether in the United States or in, in fact, even in Africa, because they, f they fear them necessarily in a phobic way. It's not the case, in fact, that a lot of people want to harm uh, members of our LGBTQIA plus community because they fear them. So in that regard, ignorance is no longer a valid response to the isms. And our isms have now converted themselves and mutated into being driven by pure hatred which is a conversation for, for a different day um, altogether. But really to also then drive the point home then about behavior is that in fact we do have to understand a lot more of the behavior in order to address it. We do have to understand what happens for a person who hates people just because of the melanin concentration in their skin um, or who hates people because of their preference of, of sexual orientation and so on and so forth. And then we have to understand this question of yours. Well, why must the onus be on the already wounded, hurt victim to mm. um, then kind of say, this is why you hurt me um, and this is why it hurts? And the last thing that I want to say about that behavior is that the first point is that, of course, the educator's response is nine out of ten times incredibly defensive, right? Um, it's sitting there and saying, well, I am not going to do any work 
And actually, oftentimes, it's coming from a place of a further humiliation. You must continue to do the work. And it shows the perpetuation of not wanting to know. So there's a very big difference mm. between saying that we must let people know when they've offended, right? Um, and then um, they must go out there and um, find out why and how. Versus we must let people know when they've offended and um, all the time teach them the, the whys and hows. Olwe and Zamo, this question is for both of you guys, but like I want to Olwe to go first. Um, what about those who genuinely, genuinely are stuck in their ways and use this argument um, and, and, and they say, hey man, ignorance is bliss and you, I don't know. What, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you want me to say? Do we leave them behind and say, you know what? They choose to be ignorant, so therefore we must leave them behind. Um, um, what is our approach then around that, especially when it comes to discrimination? I think those people don't want to learn and they don't want to do better. They want to hate us. And instead of being upfront up, up about their deliberate ignorance, they use other methods you know, like demeaning it and, and, and other things. And that's basically messing with human rights of people who are living this. So I really do think that we need to be tougher in the repercussions um, for this. And also, we ourselves need to be, we, we need to actively take those things up because um, when, you, when you leave someone to treat you in a particular way also, you know, you, you, if you at least try and do something, that's how they learn and others learn around them. And that's why these things happen, where people are cancelled or they, they are seeked out. And, um, you know, people will look for their jobs on social media and where they work. Because once you don't do something now, people don't learn that we mean business. Mm, mm. Zama, what do you have to say to that? Sure, so much, so much. I think I think um, it's such a complex conversation because inherent in, in what we have to know is that um, there's a privilege in not having to know. So um, you you can only be comfortable from a position of ignorance if the position that you're in relative to that ignorance is one of privilege. I do not have to know. I do not have to be educated, and um, uh, that's that's important to know that uh, privilege mm. actually uh, breeds a, a degree of ignorance in relation to certain things. Now, then we have to move from that and, and know that as a result, not everybody will want to know because to know is not in their interest. And sometimes to know is to know the pain that you can cause um, from, from your position. So actually, there'll be many people who will not want to know uh, uh, where to from here. And to those people, um, I do not, I think that we work with the law of third. There'll be one third of the people who will not know who you can actually inform and maybe not educate or inform. There'll be one third who, so, because that first third is curious. The second third is not wanting to know at all. So they do not know and they do not want to know that they do not know. And you cannot work with those people. And then the last third are people who are somewhere in the middle. And I think that matters actually. Those are the people that we should be speaking to, people who are open and amenable to learning, even though it might be tough and a long process. Um, it is in both of our benefits to learn and to, to actually get to know these things. Because my last point is, even as a perpetrator, actually it's not healthy to be in a position of ignorance. And um, the reason you're doing the things that you're doing is actually oftentimes from a place of hurt um, also, or severe trauma inside. 
And so it is also in your best interest to step out of that position of privilege um, to inform yourself. Mm, mm. I've got I've got uh, another question for both of you. Um, is shame a good tool to use for holding those with bigoted views accountable and cancel culture, if you like? Um, I, I think it definitely is, because at this point, people are deliberately obtuse. Like, I mean, if you think about in South Africa, Brenda Sassi dated Sidi Kambule very publicly. We're talking about mm. the early 2000s. You've got um, some easy have existed and openly for ages. There was threesome who made noise for ages. You've got Eco Batch, you've got Nathaniel. They choose, people just use, choose to compartmentalize it as a gimmick rather than as an identity. And they focus on the entertainment and choose to ignore that these people would go home and do dates to dating with the same sex partner, with the, um, with the same sex partner, you know? So, it's not like they haven't known of this. They haven't known, they've been exposed to it. One or other person, you know someone, you know, I mean, uh, we don't all look the same or behave the same, but at a very early age, you know someone who didn't behave exactly as what is expected of their gender. And they grew up to either be charged or to be um, a feminine homosexual or, or uh, a masculine um, homosexual uh, lesbian. So, Let's not pretend we don't uh, we don't know that that child who was in early primary school who teased for the way they behaved. We know those people all our lives, but we choose to be ignorant until we get to a particular age to push the narrative that it's not a natural thing. But if we all admit it to ourselves, we've seen or have been have have experienced a situation where someone was in that situation at a very young age, and we know this for a very long time. So I think people are long, 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 long exposed to, to, to our people. Now, now, Zama, what do you have to say that is is shame a good tool to use for holding those bigoted views accountable? So let me let me answer it in, in three ways. Um, and you you'll you know anyway, the first one is that we um, have to understand the dynamics of of shame, rage, and anger, and hostility. And one of the conversations I've had with you, Smash, is that, uh, you know, when there is a, a shaming and a hostility, for example, on Twitter, through cancel culture, through exposing, it can look as if the hostility and the shaming started there. So actually, we know that what happens is it actually starts with the perpetrator, and then the other person is retaliating. Though it can look like the person who's being violent is the cancel culture, and the person who's doing the shaming. And what can be missed is that it's incredibly painful. It is violent, and it is um, humiliating to be um, othered because of certain features that you have. And the, oftentimes, human beings will have limited uh, responses available to them than to meet the violence where it is, right? which is to cancel and to shame. Because what we oftentimes do when we ourselves are shamed or feel shamed is we, we respond and we revert and we shame the other. So I'm, I'm saying that so that we can understand uh, better where shaming and even um, the hostility or, or aggression, how it relates to each other in, in many ways. Zamo, then, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to interject right there because I saw a gap. i got to quickly pay some bills. When I come back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you finish. Thank you. This is Live at Night on 5FM. Trending chats underway. Let's Monday Trending. Chat with Smash Africa. On Live at Night.
Thank you so much for choosing 5FM and Live at Night as your companion this evening, unpacking the educator's argument for trending chats. Now, what that means is the educator's argument tends to turn up anytime there's an incident of discrimination, be it racism or sexism or any other ism. I am joined uh, by two amazing guests, uh, DJ Olwe, as well as uh, Zamo Mbele, um, uh, who's a clinical psychologist and a board member for SADC. Zamo, you, you were interrupted there, and, and uh, we, we left uh, you hanging at the Part of being on the receiving end of 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 this shame and and cancelling and speaking to it, whether it being a good tool to hold those bigoted views accountable or those who are behind them accountable. Yeah, yeah. So so very briefly, I mean, I I was kind of saying that we must understand that oftentimes it's, it's something that I call a concomitant reaction. So um, it's a it's a reaction to an action, and it's going to be met at at exact same level. So um, hostility oftentimes is met with hostility and retaliation, and shame is met with shame. So we can understand why people may want to shame if they feel shame. The second thing that I briefly wanted to say um, is to almost take a position myself and to say, look, I think that as a society, socially, we cannot um, leave any room. We cannot create any fertility for any isms or anything that is anti-society to breed and to grow. So as a society, in fact, we do have to take a social public stand around these things and to say they are not allowed. You know, we cannot have racism happening um, out in the open. And we have to we have to kind of take it out from uh, our social arenas. So my third point, which is uh, going to not be very satisfactory, is that, however, nobody learns from shame. Um, or it's incredibly difficult to learn from shame. Oftentimes, people mm-hmm. either learn to harden their view or they learn to um, hide their view. They'll still hold it uh, in, in, in many ways. Or actually, they learn how um, to be okay with being a bad object. And that is a difficult, as in the person that's done bad, that's the difficulty around um, the use of shame for teaching. So if I wrap things up, perhaps there is the necessity to say this is not allowed, and to that degree, um, shame must be present, and we must um, eradicate a lot of things from our uh, um, um, social spheres. However, if it is our intention to try and convert or to transform something and to try and maybe inform or create insight, then we do know that shame will not be helpful. And that's the painful thing, actually, about about this conversation. Mm. All right. What roles, if any, should marginalized groups play in enlightening those around them? You know, I like the fact that you mentioned um, how everybody knows the discrimination that happens to a child based on their behavior. And you mentioned... Um, Fassi, you know, leading up to your point. But like, you know, the big thing that I I, I, I I take from this is we can all do something in making sure anyone who's marginalized is not marginalized when you are around, especially when you are privileged not to be marginalized. So uh, what do you think are the roles, if any, uh, should marginalized groups play in enlightening those around them? I, I personally don't care to, because you, um, I'm tired of having to explain myself or humanize myself. And, mm. you know, the average cisgender heterosexual person never has to justify who, how they want to live, nor do they need special rights to ensure that they're not treated badly at work. I mean, can you imagine that? Laws have mm. to be in place 
so that I can explain why you can't fire me for loving a man. Um, so I just think it's up to the individual what they want to do. But for me, I just don't get why I must educate. And I feel like anyone who wants, even, even if I take an educational moment, I must feel like, okay, this person approached respectfully and they do want to engage. So I engage with people personally that I do know for sure. But, you know, if you're going to come to me and ask me about how I have sex with particular people, I think I don't ask you that. So there's absolutely no reason why I should be asking you that. Whenever you talk about, if you as my friend come to me and talk about the sex you had last night and you, you don't happen to be uh, gay, I'm not going to ask you about the mechanics of your sex. I'm going mm. to, it's going to be a basic thing like, oh my God, we had a good time. Oh, we were getting it in. But then with the wrong people, sometimes it turns into a fist of, um, what did you do? Uh, how did you, uh, how did you do that? You don't, you don't ask that to anyone else. Why don't you ask that to me? So I think those questions mm. also tend to be very invasive. But if I see that, you know, your approach is really um, genuine and it's not, it doesn't mean to, then I'm there. But for me to actively go out and educate people, it, it, it's something that I'm personally not, intru- not invested in. And I also feel like anyone who has to do that must feel comfortable doing it and mustn't do it just because it's a fight or whatever. Mm, mm. Zamo, a parting question. Um, to those who've been called out for the discriminatory acts, if you like, how would you advise that person to go about correcting their behavior and um, learning from it? I think the biggest thing and doing better. Yeah, I think the first one, um, I'm really to go back to, to something that I was saying a little bit earlier, which, which is, is worth unpacking at a different time, is to say, you know, truly, 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 we know that people oftentimes hurt from hurt positions, and it can be so difficult for you to know what that position is um, that's making you do these things. Um, and so it's, it's incredibly important to know that oftentimes your very aggressive, hostile, shaming, pejorative behavior is actually pointing to a wound. And to that extent, you can hear perfectly that what I'm trying to do is to encourage people to say that this is not good for the other it's not good for the person you're, you're actually hurting and harming, but it's also not good for you um, to, to hold on to this. So, so that, is, that is then the motivation and the, the rationale, in fact, in many ways. I think the second one is going to, again, be not so popular, which is to be equally compassionate and kind to yourself as you're doing this in order to maintain the, the, the journey. And so you and I know that there are very many things that we do not know. And we're going to bump into mm. them and we're going to make a mess and we're going to make a muddle. So if we're too frightened to do that, then we're not going to want to engage with the mess and muddle during and afterwards, actually. Though, actually, there's something very ordinary around having a million blind spots and around having not so great parts of yourself. Um, though, actually, you can work with them. And, and that's very important. And then I think, lastly, is that I think that if we are going to have a social contract, which is something that does seem to bind the soul, we all have a duty in fact, as far as possible, to try and inform ourselves around things that seem outside of our realm of, of um, things that we should know. Um, we have a duty to participate with each other with due respect, which actually requires us to go and find out. That's it. It's our duty, man. It's our yeah. duty. Oh, Louis Zamo, um, I appreciate your time, uh, your insight. Um, 
this is just the tip of the iceberg <laughs> and i'm chuckling inside because we still got a long way to go until yeah. we get to a to a place where we don't feel the need to educate and uh, and speaking rather about these isms that exist in our society and it's on us thank you for, so much for your time and i appreciate you uh, keep keep being the light that we need on this beautiful earth okay thank, thank you, you. I was joined uh, by TV director and DJ Olue too, as well as clinical psychologist and member of uh, SADC, uh, board member of SADC, I beg your pardon, Zamunele, for our pending child conversation, unpacking the educator's argument. In case you just tuned in a little bit late, you'll find this uh, conversation on 5fm.co.za. Keep it locked to the power of five. Let's Monday trending. Chat with Smash Africa. Light it up, light Online at night.